And we're going to go in the word of the Lord to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, chapter 21. We're going to read one verse and then we are going to pray. And I don't know if I, I feel more of a teaching on me today. Maybe preach, I don't know. But I, I, I do want to communicate just a simple concept the Lord put in my heart to share with you today. Uh, just before I went to bed last night. And um, Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, The desire of the slothful, the lazy, the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Slothful, but somehow found the strength to resist. <laughs> somehow found the energy to refuse expending that energy elsewhere other than their desire. And I want to just speak for the next minute. I got like five different titles I'd like to, to say and call this stir but unmoved, moved but unchanged, inspired but immobile, motivated but unmoved, the desire of the slothful. You pick whatever one you want, but I'm just going to talk to you for the next few moments about being inspired but immobile. Inspired but immobile. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the church of the living God. And I do not take it lightly to be here with the saints that you bled and died for. And I pray in the name of Jesus that I do not quench the spirit, but I can be a vessel, an open channel that you can flow through freely. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us all ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Give us eyes to see what the spirit is doing. Lord, I pray we're sensitive, yielded, obedient, and surrendered today. And somebody saying, Jesus' name. Amen. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. It is possible to be the world's laziest person and simultaneously be the most inspired person on planet Earth. You can have great inspiration and be terribly slothful. You can be highly inspired, but totally immobile with that motivation, that inspiration. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever read a book and become stirred or motivated. Hopefully your Bible. Hopefully that's doing something for you when you are reading it. Hopefully it is causing you to think, to contemplate, consider, be stirred, to be changed, to be motivated. But whether it be in the spiritual world or even the secular world, life itself... There's times that I find myself reading the word of the Lord or reading another book, whether it be just a leadership business book or listening to a podcast, listening to a TED talk, hearing somebody's testimonial, whether it be within the church, outside of the church, a sermon. There are a number of venues I have found myself in the presence of inspiration that basically was calling me to greatness, was calling me to do more than what I was currently doing. I've been inspired more times than I can shake a stick at. Anyone ever felt the feeling of inspiration? I, I do hope you come to church and you feel inspired. I do hope you come to church and feel the presence of God. I, I hope you feel provoked to do something, to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. But as most of us all have testified by lifting our hands as an example of confession that we have had moments of inspiration. And so have the slothful. Be careful or don't get, you know, too defensive thinking I'm calling you slothful here today. But even the slothful can have great desire. Even the slothful can have great desperation. But desire without diligence won't cut it. You can, you can want something so bad, but not make any application to that flood of inspiration that's going into your soul. And you will remain the same as you always have been with desire 
alone. There has to be the application of that inspiration. I love reading books about preachers in in the 1600s and 1700s and 1800s, even the early 20th century, people that have done great things for the cause of the kingdom of God. These pioneers I shared just a few weeks ago, I would encourage you to read a book called The Korean Frontier by Bernard. I I can't remember uh, his first name. It was Elton. It was David K. Bernard's father who pioneered the, the work in South Korea. It is an impressive book. It is a challenging book. It is a convicting book. Books like Oma, books like that are written from Nona Freeman, books that are written uh, full throttle by Benny DeMerchant. And I can keep going on and on about people that have made great sacrifice. And, and when reading them, I am literally crying. Reading them, I'm feeling like, man, God, I want to do more than what I am doing. In fact, I almost feel like I have done nothing. I almost feel like I have accomplished nothing with my life. But reading that book inspires me to do more. See, inspiration is powerful. And you've heard me say it in times past that inspiration is Pentecost's drug of choice. But inspiration without application will ultimately lead you to disappointment. You can be inspired Sunday after Sunday. You can be inspired listening to sermon after sermon on your podcast. You can be inspired reading book after book over and over. It becomes almost this addictive drug to reach this euphoric high that we call inspiration. But the inspiration without application will result in disappointment and being disheartened and being uh, uh, frustrated with yourself saying, man, I'm such a loser. I'm so pathetic. I'm never going to do anything with my life. But I felt quick and before service, this is a simple statement for you to realize this. That inspiration that came upon you is mining a resource that is within you. For that to be provoked, for that to respond to the reading and to respond to the listening and to respond to what you're seeing. That inspiration that rises within you is just creating an awareness that inside of you is the presence of a potential. That there is more for you to do. And your innermost being is crying out, I would like to do that. I want to do that. I wish I could do that. But for there to be the provoking of that feeling, I'm letting you know it is inside of you. And God quickens us at moments in services to help us to realize inside the cavern of our soul is a resource of inspiration that God wants to anoint and God wants to use. And I believe with all of my heart that they're not just books we read about on overseas land, but there will be books written about the land right here by the people that are sitting in this very room. Psalm 15 verses one through four. The question is posed by the psalmist, Lord, who will abide in your tabernacle? Who's going to dwell? Who's going to get to your holy hill? It is he that walks uprightly. It is he that works righteousness. It's the person that speaks the truth in their heart. Not the person that backbites with their tongue. Not the person that does evil to their neighbor. Not the one that takes up a reproach against their neighbor. You see, the residents in heaven will be comprised of certain activity and certain inactivities. There's certain activities that can get you residence in heaven. Now, not, I'm not talking salvation by works. I'm just talking, there's a lifestyle that God wants you to live, that he desires to see manifest in your life. And there's certain lifestyles or certain activities that ought to be inactive in our lives. We ought not to be gossiping. We ought not to be slandering. We ought not to be perverse. We ought not to be living wicked. That was the question. God, who's going to make it into your tabernacle? Who's going to make it up into that holy hill? And there's a list that begins to quicken upon the psalmist that there's certain activity and certain inactivity that will make the, uh, the, the, the host of those there that make it before the presence of God.
So what is active in your life? What is inactive in your life? Do you have the right things active in your home? Do you have the right things active in your marriage? Do you have the right things active in your children? And do you have the right things inactive? Or maybe you want to say the wrong things. Hopefully the wrong things are inactive. They're not found in your mouth. They're not found in your action. They're not found in your going in and going out. There's certain things that we ought to remain inactive. So it says in verse 4, Whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. Now look at this phrase. This is what I want you to key in on. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. If you read it in the New Living Translation, it states it like this in verse 4. It's the person that keeps their promises even when it hurts. We make a lot of promises in prayer. We make a lot of promises in the altar. We make a lot of commitments to God in services with a call to consecration. We make a lot of commitments in a season of consecration when we pray, when we fast. Lord, I love you. I'll do anything. God, I will do such and such. I will not disobey you. God, I I will refrain from this. I'm tired of living that way. God, I'm not going to repeat that act. God, I'm going to start adding this to my life. Anyone ever made some prayers? like? Hopefully you make prayers like that. Hopefully you're in the presence of a holy God that calls you to better living and holy living. Someone say amen. Promises can hurt though because promises and sacrifices are often connected. It says it. It's important that you keep your promise, even when it hurts. Because when you make a promise to God, when you make a commitment to God, Lord, I will do this. There will be a competition to derail you from that commitment, to distract you from that promise, to get you off course from that consecration. And that's when the test comes. Am I a person of my word? Am I a man of my word? Am I a woman of my word? That prayer that I had with God. Am I really going to follow through with what I told him I was going to do? And all of a sudden, surrounded by you are some other options, other paths, other roads that could be taken. And to basically fulfill the promise you kept to God, it's going to hurt by cutting off certain roads and cutting off certain relationships because it is not possible to meet both appointments and both obligations or commitments that are made. And you have to put those commitments, the weights and the balances and say, okay, which one is more important? Now it's easier when you say God or them, but it's not so easy when you're in the moment and you're connected to them. You're emotionally invested into something. You're already halfway into it. And all of a sudden God says, this is important. If you want to make it to that holy hill and you want to be in that tabernacle, you want to get to that destination that you desire. It's not just the person that's walking righteously. It's not just the person that's not gossiping. It's more than that. It's the people that follow through with their commitment that arrive to their desired destination. There is a destination. Ultimately, I want to get there called heaven. But there are some desired destinations I have here on this planet, on this land, in this life that I want to see fulfilled. There are commitments that I have made to the Lord. There are commitments that you have made to the Lord. And time has a way of getting us to forget when we get off course and we get on a separate trail and we find ourselves completely in a different zip code. But let us remember the commitment that we made to the Lord. And God says, this is the type of person I love. Not just the 1 verse 4 of Psalm 15. Not just those who despise flagrant sinners and honor faithful followers, but it is those that keep their promises even when it hurts. I was inspired to make that promise. I had an unction come upon me when I made that commitment. But now it hurts to try to make that because promises and sacrifices are often connected Let us consider what we are committing when we are in God's presence. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Again, in the New Living Translation, 
You know, some people think, you know, other translations are weak. And I guess there's some verses I think they're pretty weak. But man, this is not weak. This is pretty potent in your face. He says, as you enter in the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty. Don't be so quick in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven. You are here on earth. So slow your roll. Let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. And when you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. That's why our words do matter, by the way. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 36, he says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our mouth matters. Don't let your mouth make you sin and don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry. And he just might wipe out everything you have achieved. You make a promise to God, and all of a sudden we're caught up in another commitment. And it's like, well, I'm already in this commitment. I don't want... I, I don't want to make my neighbor mad. I don't want to make a friend mad. I don't want to make the business mad. I don't want to make this problem. I, I'm already like so far into this. I, I, I got this going on. I, I, God, I know I said that, but it was a mistake. I, it was, I was speaking it in zeal. I, I was just caught up in the emotion of the service. And that's why the Bible says take great caution in what you say before the presence of God. Because God's not just another person out there. He's God. And he actually remembers. Like other people we make a commitment to and we don't follow through. We're hoping they forget. And we're thankful when they do. Because <laughs> there's times later, like, I'll see some. I know, I know at General Conference, when there's these thousands of ministers there, I know I'm going to see somebody that I probably say, hey, I'll call you. Hey, I'll talk to you. And also, I'm like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I, I, I remember. I'm like, I hope they forgot. I hope they don't bring it up. I hope they don't bring it up. Whew. That's not God. God remembers everything. Everything that we say. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves already headlong into another commitment. And God says, look, don't you remember what you told me? Don't you remember what you promised me? You go ahead and go on that path, but I'll wipe out everything you've achieved. It might be better just to pause on the path you are on and maybe turn and say, God, I'm going to follow through with my commitment. Now, whether or not I still get to do this at the same time, I don't know. But, Lord, this commitment and promise I made to you is the most important promise of all. If you're here and the call of God's been placed on your life at any time in an altar, remember the moment God called you. Remember what you said to him that you were willing and ready to do. Remember what it all entailed. And hopefully you haven't forgotten. And I pray God can reawaken inside of you what it is that you prayed in that youth camp. What it is you prayed at that family camp. What it is you prayed at that conference when you were laid out in the presence of the Most High. And you said, Lord, you are the most most important. Nothing else matters to me. It's easy to be given to a moment, but it's a whole nother thing to be given to a lifestyle to keep that promise even when it hurts. You are inspired, but are you mobile? Are you mobile with that inspiration that you and the Lord had? We have truckloads of moments in the altar with the Lord, and it can almost seem we have equal amount of unfulfilled promises with that truckload. And it produces a loss of hope. Why is that? Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Unaccomplished hopes and desires place us in an unhealthy place emotionally and spiritually. Because when we had a promise with God, when we had a commitment with the Lord, there was great hope and there was great desire and there was great promise. But 
over time, as it progresses, we find ourselves not seeing the hope that we desired and not seeing the desire come and the desire accomplished that would be so sweet to our soul. Could it be? It's because we are now engaged in another commitment that is in competition with what we said to the Lord that we promised that we would do. Sermons, prayers build our faith. But action sustains it because action materializes your faith. James 5 or 2 verses 14 through 18. What does it benefit? What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man says he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, any of you say to them, depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it benefit them? What does it profit them? You might feel inspired because you feel for them. But words alone don't fulfill the feeling that you have for their need. Even so, faith, if it has not works, it is dead being alone. Yea, man may say you have faith. I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Inspired, but all of a sudden we, we can find ourselves feeling unqualified, unable incapable of performing what God is prompting us to do. But remember that inspiration that is resonated inside of you at some point in time is the spirit mining and tapping into a resource that is within you. That purpose that God placed deep down in your belly, that purpose that God placed in the very center of your being. God gave you a mission and a purpose when he gave you breath on this earth. And we can begin to discount ourselves and disqualify ourselves and say, well, I'm not great. I'm not so-and-so. I don't have this ability. No, God gave you an inspiration for a reason. God gave you a rhema word for a reason. God gave you an unction for a reason. James 5, 17 says, Elijah, he was just a man. He was just a human, just like you. He was subject to the same laws of gravity. He was subject to the same laws of calories, cholesterol. He was subject to the same body that you have. He was subject to the same laws of nature that you are subject to, but he had a passion and just like you have a passion, but the difference was that he prayed earnestly. He didn't just feel the feeling, but he applied something. He applied prayer towards what he felt to do. And he began to be fervent in prayer that God would close the heavens and it not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years. But then he prayed again and the heavens opened up. The heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. You and I, we do not have to be great. We just need, as that song was sung today, is the great I am. I don't have to be great. I don't have to be awesome. But I do need the great I am. And if I have the great I am, I'm telling you, anything is possible to those that believe. When the great I am says you can, the great I am can do it through you. He's not a liar. He's not just another friend trying to maybe throw you a word of encouragement. When God speaks, it is spirit and it is life. And it shall come to pass if you will not let that commitment and promise pass your heart and your mind. God, that commitment that you place in my heart that I made with you. Lord, do not let me be so quick to forget. Quicken me and remind me to fulfill what you called me to do. You don't have to be great. You just need the great I am. And he simply just wants you and I to make an effort. He wants us to get mobile with that inspiration that he gave us. Psalm 34, verse 4 and 5. I'm just about done. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Whatever else you're doing, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek God. Enjoy the pursuit of God. And he'll give you really what your heart desires. You might think it's a bigger house. You might think it's a, uh, a spouse. You might think it's, you know, healing of your body. But really, there's something inside of all of our spirit, all of our soul that we really deep down desire. 
It's, it's when we read that book and all of a sudden that, that admiration grows inside of us for the life that was just presented before our eyes and our mind. That's really what deep down inside of us is like a purpose. I, I want to find that purpose. Like uh, Evangelist uh, Baptiste said a, a couple months ago is that to find your seat, to find your place, to find your purpose in the kingdom of God. And if you could ever find that place and not just desire it, but locate it and pursue it. There is a sweetness that comes to the soul of fulfillment. The Bible says the labor of a man has sweet sleep. There's no rest like the person that worked and that earned that rest. When you begin to pursue what God called you to do, you'll find the sweetest rest there possibly is. And it's not that, hey, I, I think the, the, the boat has sailed. I think I the train has already taken off. If there is bread Breath in your lungs. The writer of Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter 9, somewhere around there, he says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. You may have some moments in your life of regret and defeat, but if there's breath in your lungs, it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. I'm so thankful that I'm looking at a sea of faces in this room right now. There's breath in your lungs. That means inside of you, the spirit can still mind that source of inspiration that he called you to fulfill and the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen so be it as you said it let it be as you declared it I believe it what will you do with all that inspiration or am I just talking to a bunch of weary people in the room that are tired and you lack inspiration right now I'm believing the Holy Ghost wants to re-inspire. I believe God wants that wind to blow upon that dying out coal and ember that is on your heart. And just a little wind passing over that dying out ember can reignite. God is not done. Don't let the fire on your altar go out. Don't let that coal go out. Let the wind of the Spirit sweep through this sanctuary today and let it remind us and let it reignite inside of us the past and the purpose that God has called you to fulfill. We made the commitments in church services. And all. God, I'll, I'll never go through a service where I won't worship. God, I'll, I'll never be a deadbeat again. God, I'll, I'll never go through a service and not give you everything. We've all made some pretty rash declarations. But do we follow through? With whatever it is, is that God said, or what we said to God that we would do. And the rich young ruler had a moment of inspiration. And he went to length to go find the master. And he says, what, what do I got to do? He was inspired to go locate Jesus and talk to him about eternal life. But he went away sorrowful because he already has some other commitments that were rich and wealthy. And he couldn't find himself breaking away from it. But God, God has greater for us. Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31. I just have three more portions of Scripture. I'm just about done. But what think ye, Jesus talking to the religious leaders of the day? He says, a certain man had two sons. He came to the first son and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered, and the son said, I will not. Uh-uh. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go do that. That seems like work. I want to be rich. I want to inherit the vineyard. Because this is the son of the father that owns the vineyard. And it's the first one that he's talking to. And that firstborn son wants the inheritance. But the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He says, I, I, I'm not going to do it. But afterward, finally, conviction got a hold of him and he repented and he went. The second, it would almost be like a Jacob and Esau, but it's the reverse. The second says, likewise, uh, he said, likewise to him, go into my vineyard and work. And he says, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I, I'm so this is awesome. My, my idiot older brother, he's missed it. I'm going to get the inheritance. I'm going to work in the vineyard. I'm going to get the Father's blessing. I'm going after it. He said, 
that commitment, but he did not go. So Jesus asked the question, of the two, which did the will of the father? The one that said no and then went, or the one says, I'm going to go and did not go at all. Which one do we find ourselves in the camp of? Go work in my vineyard. Go reach, go put your hands to the dirt, go put your hands to the work. I'm, I'll do anything, God. I'll do anything. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I'm hungry. I'm desperate. I, it doesn't matter how much I get paid. I, in fact, I am an unprofitable servant. I'll do anything for the kingdom and then not go. I was inspired, but I became immobile. And the other one, no, I'm not doing it. I ain't, I ain't going to touch a shovel. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get to work. I don't want nothing to do with that kind of lifestyle. I'd rather just enjoy the fruit of someone else's sacrifice and just coast and enjoy and reap the benefits of my father's vineyard. But all of a sudden, conviction got a hold of him. And he began to repent. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know what I told you that I wouldn't do it, but I, I, I realize I made a mistake. I'll do it. I'll do it. If you would allow me to go in the vineyard and the father's so gracious to allow those who rebel to return to the vineyard of the vineyard. He'll allow those who rejected it and turned away from it or delayed it and allowed him to come back into the vineyard. If you're here today and you told God, no, the good news is you're alive. You're here and God is here and the vineyard's still open and he's still looking for laborers. All he needs is somebody to repent and say, God, I will go. I will. I know I didn't do it before, but God, I will go this time. Uh, I don't want to be the, oh yeah, I'll go. And then go around telling everybody, hey, God called me. He called me to the vineyard. He he asked me to go to the vineyard. I said I was going to go. I'm going to go do great things for God. I, I have this call on my life. I have this purpose on my life. And go and let everybody know about it. And then not go through with it. It is a challenge. It's easy to say yes and inspiration, but it's a whole other thing in the moment of labor and work and having to basically change not and swear to your own hurt. It hurts to say yes and actually go in the vineyard, but there's reward for it. How many times have we felt inspired and moved to work in his vineyard and said, I will, and then we went not. We must take that conviction and inspiration and move with compassion. Matthew 14, 14 through 18. Jesus went forth. He saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion toward them. And this is what we need to have. Not just the inspiration, not just the compassion, but moving toward that source of inspiration. When you read that book by De- Benny DeMerchant, when you read that book by Nona Freeman, when you read that book by uh, whatever source of inspiration, and it ignites something inside of you, movement is the key. Movement is the key. Today. Is that what the Father said? Today, work in my vineyard. Today. And we have to move with compassion. Move with that emotion that God has tapped inside of you and go toward it. What are you doing currently to accomplish what it is you like to see? Whatever your ministry is, whatever your responsibility is in life that you would like to see fulfilled through your life, through your ministry, what are you currently doing in movement towards the accomplished goal? Well, I, I want to I have... I don't know, the greatest worship team. Or are you making the greatest sacrifice of practice and, and learning your skill set? Well, I want to have the greatest, you know, media ministry. Are you doing everything you can to know everything you know about what you're doing and setting it up? Well, I want to have the most powerful dynamic youth group. Are you doing everything currently to see what you would like to see? I want to have, I want to have the greatest evangelistic ministry effort ever. I want to be the greatest soul winner. I want to be the greatest disciple. What is it that God has challenged you that inspires you when you read about and you hear about what is being provoked in your spirit that you, you feel that pull, you feel that divine pull and you got to look and say, okay, God, I got to move toward this. 
And Jesus saw the multitude. He saw the mission and he moved toward it. We do it. We do a lot of preparation, but do we do a lot of moving? We'll read a lot of books about something. We'll pray a lot about something. But do we move towards that something? How often did we pray about whatever it is that we feel God's called us to do? Hundreds of times, probably. But how many steps did we take with the prayers that we prayed? Or do our prayers outnumber the actual steps we take towards what we're praying about? Verse 15, it was evening. His disciples came to him. This is a desert place. It's getting late, Jesus. Get that multitude out of here so they can go and take care of themselves. And Jesus says, no, they don't need to depart. You need to give them to eat. And they said to him, we don't have enough supplies. We can't do this. We only have five loaves. We only have two fishes. And Jesus says, look, you need to move towards this with compassion. You got to move towards them and realize they don't need to depart. You, 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 you almost sometimes wish the feeling would leave so we don't feel the conviction or the weight of responsibility. It's like you make the big commitment, and then afterwards you're kind of like, you're hoping for some justified next feeling to kind of write off the commitment that was made. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a mission service and, you know, a big offering for a missionary or something like that, and you want to give sacrificially, and you write down that big old amount, I'm going to give, I'm going to have a boat, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the car, I'm going to, you write it out, and you turn it in, you're like, yeah, man, praise, oh my goodness, what did I just do? And, you, and then and you're just hoping for the next feeling to stir you, you want the moment to depart from you. And the disciples were in that moment, and they saw the look in Jesus' eyes, it's like, man, what, what are we going to do here? And they wanted it to depart from them. And Jesus says, no, don't let this moment depart from you. Bring it to me. Bring them to me. And that's all we need to do. We must see past our inadequacies. And remember, we simply need to bring them to the one with whom all things are possible. Not all things are possible with me. Very little is possible with me, but I am connected to the one with whom is all possible. Everything is possible with Jesus. And I believe in the name of Jesus that whatever is wrestling your mind and your spirit of years and months and maybe even weeks or even days ago that you made some sort of commitment to the Lord. God is saying, look, just bring it to me and let's move towards them. Don't move away. Don't be stationary. Go, go. Go, and with me, all things are possible. And God began to perform the miraculous. And we know the rest of the story, that that multitude was fed with the little that was there. Because a little is a lot with God. When God is in it, there is no limit. God can do all things exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Luke twelve thirty one through 34. I wrap up, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, whatever you're seeking right now, it's better that you would rather seek the kingdom of God and all that other stuff that stresses you out, all that anxiety that's mounting up on you, that will be taken care of if you just do what the father asked. Will you work in my vineyard? Will you labor in my vineyard? And if you seek the kingdom of God and make him the primary pursuit, everything else is taken care of. And he says this in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, give alms. Provide yourselves bags that wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that doesn't fail. Thief can't break through. Moth cannot corrupt. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 32, as he says, fear not, little flock. There's nothing that pleases God more than to give you what he placed inside of you. I... I, I, I have no idea how many times I've been inspired 
but it's been a lot. Like, it's, it's been a lot. I've had a lot of moments, a lot of altar calls, a lot of prayer meetings, a lot of segments in fasting where, I mean, God shook me. And for whatever reason, you delay it. You prolong it. You avoid it. You talk yourself out of it. You convince yourself, I can't do it. There's no way. I missed the boat. I, I, I should have done it. But it is your Father's good pleasure to give you what he put inside of you. That inspiration that he When you read that book and all of a sudden you're looking at that life and it stirs you. It's because there's something you see in yourself in that story that you would like to have happen to you. And God wants you to have that happen. God wants you to accomplish the purpose that he placed you here on this earth. There's a variety of purposes in here, but the will of God doesn't change for any of us, meaning he's not willing that any should perish. I mean, who in here doesn't get inspired by a preacher sharing testimonies of the lives that were transformed and changed in their ministry? I mean, anybody with a soul in this room knows that it's exactly right. You read that story, the stories of Billy Cole overseas. You read stories of, you know, the, the, the sacrifices people made. And you're, you're, just, you're moved to tears. Because that's the will of God that's inside of you. Is that I want to use you to accomplish that same thing. And I believe every single person in this room can make a disciple. Every single person in this room can make an impact. And there's no impact like the impact of reaching a soul and seeing somebody else find their... You, you found your purpose through them because you now see them finding their purpose and their meaning, what they need to be doing, their conversion and transformation. There is nothing like it. The greatest feeling of all is your personal salvation. The second greatest feeling is being a partner with God in someone else's transformation and salvation. There is no feeling. There is no feeling equal to that. I mean, listening, listening to John and Judy and listening to Jeremiah and Tanya and, and, and just that I feel like I've done such, such a little part. And Pastor Jared probably feels the same way. But to hear those statements, there's nothing like it. We don't do it to get affirmation. But, man, you can find your value in the will of God. Let's stand together. Please remember that inspiration that came upon you. It's the spirit mining a resource that was placed within you. You may not feel at great value. You may just feel like that just a lump of a, a rock, a hill. But God's spirit keeps chipping and mining and going deeper. And there's that, that inside, there's something gold inside of us. There's moments when God pierces through and taps into that potential, and we all of a sudden make this grand commitment. But do we remember the commitments we made? Do we remember the call that God placed on side of us? Psalm 15, verse 4. Whose eyes is a vile person condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. And the new living keep their promises even when it hurts. And you know what's going to hurt more than keeping your promise? Is regretting that you did not keep that promise to God. That hurt will sting more than the fear of disappointing a friend, disappointing a family member, whoever it is. Disappointing my Heavenly Father that I told him this is what I'm going to do. You know, like just the personal... I, I When I... When I was putting this together, I, I promise you, I wasn't thinking about myself. But as I'm, like, preaching through this, like, I find myself in this story. You know, this season, this extension of what, what we're doing and reaching these surrounding communities. I mean, God's dealt with me for, for years about it. I didn't understand it in detail then, but the past year and a half, it's become more clear, more evident. And it's every one of us have a decision. Do I, do I swear to my own hurt? Do I keep my promise even when it hurts? And I, it's not guilt that drives me to do what I'm doing. It's, it's a desire that God put inside of me.
And the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, is what the scripture says. What desire is inside of you? What desire is evoked inside of you? Perhaps when the last evangelist was here, Brother Holloway, or when Brother Sullivan was here, Brother Baptiste was an evangelist this year, or maybe five years ago, maybe when you were a teenager, and God is quickening to your mind the visions that he gave you, the dreams that he gave you, the voice that he spoke to you, and all of a sudden you talk back to that voice, and you said this, yes, God, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'm here to let you know it's not too late. And I'm here to let you know that the desire to slothful is going to kill you. I'm not calling you lazy because I'm looking at a group of people that work hard. But are you working hard at the right thing? The very thing that God put inside of us to do. Church, we have a mission. Every single one. We have a, a conglomerate mission, but we have individual missions. And I believe God wants you to succeed in that mission. I wonder if you can lift your hands across this place. I, I don't know the, how this wraps up. I don't know if you want to come to this altar. You want to pray where you're at. But I, I want you to definitely talk to God right now. I want you to lift up your voice right now. I, I do feel a pulling on the heart. I feel a mining from the Spirit into your heart. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would remind us. Remind us of the conversations that we had in the altar. Remind us, Lord, of the commitments that we made in closet prayer. God, remind us, Lord, of what we voiced in that altar call. Lord, remind us, Lord, I, I don't want to write it off. Well, I just said something rash and I, you know, I was just a zeal. I, I wasn't really putting the weights and the balances. Lord, I will, I will be a person of my word. The reason why you inspired me. The source of that inspiration, God, is something that you found that's within me that you placed by the Holy Ghost. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I believe there's gold in this room. Lord, there are people that may not look and feel like much on the outside, but on the inside. Lord, your spirit has been drilling towards them and you have helped them to find Lord, that resource that is of value to the kingdom of God. And that is, Lord, to expand your will to come to pass. In the name of Jesus, you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I pray right now through the hands of every man and through the hands of every woman and through the hands of every child and teen in this room. Let that will manifest. Let that will materialize. Lord, I am tired of just desiring, but never fulfilling. Let the desire be accomplished and let it be sweet to the soul. My soul has gone sour at times. My soul has been disappointed many a times. But Lord, I pray right now that this day would set the right course, that it would put us back on the right direction, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I want to walk in the way that is everlasting. I want to find myself in the tabernacle. I want to find myself on that holy hill. I want to find myself at that desired destination. I don't want just to be another successful business person. I don't want just to be another person that has acquired wealth. I don't want to be just another name out there that has acquired a friend group. God, I want to fulfill the will of the Father. You have asked me to go and work in your vineyard and that will I do. I will not be Lord like that second son that said he would and he didn't. I will be Lord that one that repented and returned to the field in the name of Jesus. Ah, uh, ah, uh, Holy Ghost awaken us right now. Holy Ghost awaken us right now. Holy Ghost awaken us right now. Reignite that inspiration. Lord awaken that coal. Lord let the wind blow over this ember of my heart. And let my heart Lord. Let the winds of heaven fan the flame of my heart. And I pray God it would be like fire shut up in my bones. That I cannot contain any longer. That I cannot withhold any longer. I pray there is a release. I pray there is a release. And I pray there is a release in the name of Jesus. I, I, I speak to that spirit that says uh, there's no expectation of more. There is, a, there is a spirit in this room that you really have no motivation for more. 
And it's because you don't feel any worth of self. Lack of motivation is simply either regret or low self-esteem. That I'm not worth it. God, it's too late. And murmur, complain, upset. Basically, look back over life and blame everybody, blame everything, even blame yourself, whatever it is. I come against that spirit, and I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I speak a word of faith right now that you, it's, the dream is not dead. It is not dead. You are alive. The dream is alive. But you've got to let the wind move over the dream that's in your heart that God gave you and reignite it. And this time, learn from the past of, you know, desire was great, but desire wasn't enough. And in the state that I am in right now, I am going to move. I'm going to move forward with it. I am going to do it. I'm not saying that it happens and comes to pass today or tomorrow, but there's got to be an intentional preparation to the path of that destination that God has called you to. And I believe in the name of Jesus, God wants to reawaken it right now. I want everybody to lift their hands right now. Don't worry about the kids in this room. Don't worry about the children in this room right now. Get your minds off of everything and get your mind on your purpose and lift your hands right now. You got to believe more than what you are right now. You got to believe there's more for you right now. Your life is not over. You are not some just, just luggage that we're carrying around dead weight. I believe every weight, God will lift it right now. You are not dead weight. Come on, every hand lifted right now. Every hand lifted right. You are not dead weight. In the name of Jesus, I speak a life. Lord, over the lie that speaks to the person that they missed the boat. Lord, that they missed their opportunity. I come against that. I bind it in the name of Jesus and I command it to leave. And I pray God that your wind would move upon that heart right now and reignite and refan that flame. I speak fire. I speak fire upon that heart. I speak a passion that comes alive right now. The dream is not dead. The dream is not dead. Your purpose, your mission is not over. It is not complete. The day is coming where you will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will hear those words and God will not lie when he speaks that over you. You will have done well. You will be known as faithful and you will be a servant in the vineyard.